All right, Josh Smith here, live at Flat 5 Studios. Today, my guest is one of my favorite guitar players. I'm an enormous fan of this guy. Uh, I first heard him with John Cleary and the Absolute Monster Gentleman. Um, I remember hearing his name from other guitar players, uh, just like, have you heard Big D? Have you heard Big D? And it was like, I hadn't seen him yet, but I only heard him. And then someone gave me a video. I think it was a bootleg video of you guys playing on a VHS. And I was just shocked, of course, by your playing. And, and man, I'm so glad that we've gotten to know each other over the years. I think you are one of the greatest players in the world and absolutely one of the guys who bridges the gap between church and blues and jazz in a way that I don't think anybody else does. If you haven't heard this man, you need to check out his music. Where we're going to dive into all that right now. Everyone, please welcome Derwin Perkins, Big D. Yeah. <laughs> nice to be here yeah man oh dude i i'm so glad we get to do this uh i really really love your playing and so i i start all these by asking everybody kind of their family history with the music because it's really interesting to me i don't come from a musical family um so it was just really kind of happenstance that i got the guitar do you come from a musical family like how did the guitar get put in your hands the first time yeah, my uncle played, you know, for a quartet group, and I used to go to the rehearsals when I was young, you know, really young. And he just kind of like, I, I would grab the guitar whenever he's not around, you know, of course, and just start messing around with it, and here comes Snatch It. You know, I think it might have been an expensive guitar at that time, you know, so he always come grab it. But yeah, then at some point, he just bought me a little, fake one and I've been loving it ever since you know? amazing and like what kind of you know besides church I guess what kind of music was being listened to in your house like what were your parents into what were all your you know family and friends into the basic you know all the the, the Stevie Wonders and the OJs and you know I heard all that growing up um some um, Donnie Hathaway, you know. My mom loved Donnie Hathaway, you know, she was a big fan of him. And my mom was also a singer. Wow. So, okay. yeah, so all the, that type of stuff, you know, um, some blues too. Oh, yeah, like at all the functions, like the Fourth of July picnics and stuff, that's when they'll play a lot of the blues, the BB Kings and Bobby Blue Band, you know. Yeah. They, and, that type of stuff. So, does your uncle show you the first little things, or or do you have to kind of figure it out on your own? Did I lose you? Oh no! It's a ball that you know. So after once I finally got it. And got the finger to lay down on the last two strings, you know. I ran and like, look, 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 you know, and played it, and it came out clean. And he was like, okay. So yeah, he showed me the first. Actually, the first thing he ever showed me was this here on the guitar, and it it was pretty big and um gospel, but it was just the two notes. You know, so that was the first thing he showed me. And um, I thought I was I was playing gospel when I first learned that, you know. 
Amazing, man. And see, for, in my ear, I I immediately hear Jimmy Reed when you do that. You know what I mean? It's like I can't help but correlate between the two. And that, So that's an interesting topic to me is the gospel and blues world crossover. I mean, especially where, where you're from and, and, and you know, the, a lot of times they would try to keep it separate, but all these guys were going to play gigs at night and then going to play church in the morning, you know. Was yeah. there was there a lot of separation for you, or was it all the same to you? It all kind of blended in the same for me. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't really, I mean, I had to learn some songs when I started playing, like, the R&B, my first gig was, like, out of gospel was on Bourbon Street. Right. with a guy named Gary Brown and learn, I had to learn the songs but even learning the songs you know you can always see oh I used this card already I used this yeah. you know so it all was the same it just was different progressions for me you know what I mean yeah yeah I, I mean yeah, it's... it all it all and actually when you start using the gospel kind of flavor into them songs they bring it to another little thing you know yeah so. Yeah, man. Did did you feel? I mean, so okay. So it's going backwards. As you start learning stuff, and maybe your uncle's showing you stuff, and you're picking stuff up, were you hooked like immediately? You just you just fell in love like instantly, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And you know how it is when you first start learning stuff, and you play finally sit down, work out something you've been trying to figure out, and then you get it. You like you it you like hearing it yourself, you know what I mean? You like yeah, hearing yourself play it, you know. There's nothing so like was, when you finally make a sound come out that's something you've listened to for a lot of times and you finally get it. It's like you'll never yeah. go back after that. There's only forward yeah. after that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's yeah, that that was the thing for me, man. When I figure out little licks from different people. And every time, I mean, still to the day, that's, that happens with me, you know, and I yep. figure some stuff, I'm like, oh, man. Because, you yeah. know, it's it's like you, you've been hearing that sound, but you never could understand what they was doing. Then when you figured out, you're like, oh, all right, you know. So, yeah, yeah that, that was a big part of it. And we don't so, get to, now that we work so much, we don't get a chance to do that so much, you know what I mean? When, like when you was young, you had time to just, sit down and pick it all out you know yeah it's been one of the things about the pandemic it's actually given me back a little bit of shed time to just actually work on stuff you know yeah that's cool yeah yeah that's that's the good thing about the pandemic yeah it made you pick it up more because you, you wasn't working as much not you yeah, know when you're sure. working a lot you don't want to see it when you get home you know exactly exactly so during that time when you were you know, learning, was there any music in school for you? I mean, obviously in New Orleans, there's a big time history of, you know, kids learning music. It's part of the culture. What, did you have music in schools? Yeah, I, I had music in school, but I was playing band. I was playing bass drum. Okay. In, in the band, you know, I used to play bass because we never really had no um, real instruments in school, mostly you know, like band instruments, horns, drums, you know, that type of stuff. So we didn't have the like pianos and guitars and sure. cellos and that type of stuff. 
Right. But yeah, but I, I played. Mean, I played in the band. But it's a big part of of uh, you know culture. They're kind of just instilling a, a love of music at a young age that I don't. I think isn't as prevalent around the rest of the country, at least to my, you know, when I'm, I have so many friends from New Orleans and when they tell me about when they started playing music and how they played in this school band and that school band, and then they would go travel for, you know, all state this and all state that. It wasn't like that for, for me as a kid, you know, it seemed like a New Orleans yeah. thing to me. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Florida, in South Florida, like Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Oh, okay. And I did play in school. But it, it was like, you know, I never felt like it was that important to the school. And I don't know, maybe I feel, what's that, that high school that everybody goes to in New Orleans that's the big arts high school? NOCA? Yeah, yeah. So, so many yeah. of my friends have gone there and they tell me about all the guys they played with there and all the guys who come out of there. And it always yeah, seemed yeah. Like, like a special place to me, at least as a, as a kid from afar, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, no good, no good. It's yeah, they had some bad cats come out there. And I know you played a lot with Kelvin Turner, so yes, yes. I'm more than sure he told you about it too. Yeah, he's told yeah. me a lot about about that and about the scene and what it was like coming out of there. And man, it's such a cool thing to you know when you get to be around people your age who are as excited about the same things that you're excited about. You all grow yeah. together very fast because there's just this palpable excitement, you know, and I I bet that's a great environment. Oh yeah, yeah, that that's that's pretty hip. So do you remember your first paid gig? Yeah, yeah, I do. Definitely remember because I remember how much it was. <laughs> <laughs> how much was it? And how old were you? <laughs> I was I was older because I didn't I was maybe like I'm gonna say 21. Okay. And they paid like I think twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things haven't so gotten that much better. <laughs> yeah, it was you know, and and it was tips, so yeah, you know, we mm -hmm. we kind of worked for the tips, and you know, but I mean, I thought it was a lot because I was used to getting nothing for a gig. I would go play a gig for free. It yeah. didn't matter, you know what I mean? Especially coming out of gospel, you know, playing with quartets. We never really. So, you know, but then I landed a pretty decent one on Bourbon Street, you know, and that was, and I realized you can get paid for it. You know? <laughs> yep. Once once yeah. somebody hands you some money for playing guitar, it's like you unlock the, the key to the rest of your <laughs> life. It's like, oh, my God, this yeah, is the greatest exactly. thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. So you would have, you know, did for free. You just wanted to play it anyway at that time. You know? Yep, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But yeah, that 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 was a ticket for me. You know. So after that, was it full steam ahead? You just start playing gigs all the time. Yeah, after I landed the first gig um, on Bourbon Street, like I said, with the guy Gary Brown, I used to be out there looking in the door. And, and the, the the thing about this gig, I used to be out there for like two or three years. They had, you know, he always had great guitar players with him, you know. So I would be out there and just looking and even before I was old enough to play in the club, I would always go to the window. And so I wound up being on a session with the bass player, you know. And one day I'm looking at the club and he's like, Perk, man. 
that guy got to play, you know, and I had been seeing Gary Brown up there for about five years and all of a sudden he like, man, come sit in, come sit in, you know, and I never had like sat in on the R&B at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, I finally went on and sat in, and Matt, he called me like the next day and said, "Matt, you want this gig?" And <laughs> sent me all these songs to learn. You know, he said, "Man, you can start in two weeks." So he used to play Thursdays through Sunday. I had went and sat in on that Sunday, right? And he sent me the the music that Monday, and he said, "Man, I'm gonna give my guitar players two weeks um, notice." You know? <laughs> But even worse than that, man, he called me back Tuesday and said, can you start Thursday? I'm just going to pay him for two weeks and let you start Thursday. So, man, I had to learn all these songs for that Thursday, you know. So that was my first introduction to playing that type of music. And he played a variety of songs, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, that was that was my first experience playing out there. Man, and that's that's such, I mean, for the people that don't know, <laughs> That environment is like, you know, the, like going to college. It's such an education. All those hours of playing on that street. Yeah. Long, long, long gigs, short breaks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was brutal. When I think of it now, it was it was pretty brutal. You know? But like you see, it was like the one of the best learning experiences you can have, you know? Oh, yeah. I think back now about all those gigs I played from age 14 to 20, the thousands probably of gigs where, you know, those are the reasons I learned that my guitar intonation was bad or that I my amps were messed up and my cables were bad and I didn't know how to play with another guitar player or, I don't, you know, it's like all those things yeah. you want, you can only learn that stuff by being thrown into the fire, you know? Yeah. That's true, yeah. You That's the only way to really learn it, you know? Yeah. And you learn how to make your mistakes work too. You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is important, you know. Well, yeah. When when you're the young guy and the new guy, and you make a little mistake, and everybody looks at you, there is no better motivator because you will never make that mistake ever again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. That's that's one. You know. And I mean, we all have. I know this. Like I play with a lot of bass players. I, I know when they make mistakes because they always would turn to the amp and act like something. They have to adjust something, you know. That's a universal <laughs> bass player move, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. I think my treble knob is too high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know you you've been there already heard the mistake, but when you look over, he he adjusted something to try to cover that up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, what kind of guitar were you playing back at that time when you first started playing on on Beale Street? I think it was a Strat. Yeah, it it was a Strat when I first started. Oh, I what is Strat? Play- yeah, man. Yeah. And so, how did you become a Strat guy? Because I associate you with your str- a Strat. I always you, have. But what was it what? about it, the Strat? I, that it ain't you? like I became. I like, just I I had one. I had got one for my birthday. And that's just what I played, you know? Mm. And it was, man, it was like, man, I had this squire that I played all the way up until the hurricane came. 
man, it was a phenomenal sound. Like no matter what guitar I get, the squire just, for me, the sound was, you know, what I was, and man, I just played. I went, I, I, I kept it until, like I said, it got destroyed. And people used to always come to the club like, man, what kind of, a squire, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was, but it sounded, man, I, like I said, I used to A and B it next to some of my, you know, high quality guitars, but the sound was phenomenal, you know. But then the guy at the, the music store would made me buy it, you know, he was telling me sometimes, you know, when they when people send guitars back to get stuff, like if something go wrong with them, sometimes they'll grab whatever available and stick it in them, you know. So you might not have squire pickups in it, you know. So right. you never know if somebody lays that in the back, they're gonna throw whatever sitting up there in it. And that probably was the case because everything else around it would be breaking and you have to keep, you know, but it's sound is so good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I always I play strat for the most part just because I can kind of like get all the different sounds out of it, you know. Yeah, there's such like a versatile guitar. Smooth or something. Yeah, so and what about you? You've been playing that the black one since I think I met you. Yeah. Well, well, so this is the new this is the Ibanez version of it. So I was playing that that Chapin for forever, and this yeah. is, I've literally this is new. Because <laughs> I think the first time we actually met was in Vegas, huh? Yeah, yeah, in Vegas at the Blues Bender or whatever. Uh, yeah, and you were there with Cleary, and that was the first time we actually met. Yeah, but I was playing that black telly that I played a long time, and you know what's funny? As a kid, I was more a Strat guy for sure. And it took like finding that black telly to kind of uh, make it clear to me that I was a I was really a telly guy. I'd just been waiting to find the right one. But I mean, I still play yeah. a strat, you know, some every night. I love a strat thing. But I feel more like me with a Telecaster style guitar for some reason. But see, you, 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 so you, you, so technical. You, you understand. <laughs> you know how stuff really works so you know and that's something i never i never um, got so deep in which i really need to ah. you know understand more is how all these sounds because man i didn't heard you playing it and it's like i tell my friend i'm like man i never heard this dude make a mistake this dude oh come man. on <laughs> man, I, I never heard it you know <laughs> it's like and there's so much so many things you can play on in one solo, you know, without re being repetitive. I'm like, mm. so where did you kind of, who did you kind of listen to? Man, I mean, for me, it, obviously I was listening to, first and foremost, uh, Albert Kings and B.B. Kings and Otis Rush and T-Bone Walker, Magic Sand Blues guys, um, but, but then Hendrix and Stevie Ray, um, Wes Montgomery, uh, Danny Gatton was really important to me, uh, not just because of the amount of facility that he had, but uh, I think I was attracted to him because he kind of had this willingness to play whatever I think he was hearing right that minute without a filter, you know what I mean? And he just kind of play what he felt and what he heard. 
And I, I was attracted yeah. to that. I wanted to have the ability to kind of remove as much editing process and just be a, be a direct filter of like, hear it, play it, you know? And sometimes that leads to some weird choices, but you get better with that over the time. But I liked the, the kind of fast, rapid connection between the brain and the hands, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember one time you explaining how you learned how to play, like, the the, the different, the, the, the mode thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you're playing inside, like, the dominant sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like uh, so much of that for me is I learn stuff probably the same way you do. It's more by application. I'm not the yeah. most studious guy, so I don't sit down and just run scales, even though I have in the past. It's more like once I hear something being applied in a, in a musical situation, it can click for me quickly. Like, oh, yeah. I, I understand how to use this, and then I can expand on it. And it's kind of always been that way, you know, for me. That's that's the yeah. so like with modes, I always would quickly apply them to certain chord types as opposed to just learning the mode scale up and down the neck. It was like, no, this yeah, sound, yeah. like that Lydian sound, that sounds like a major seven chord to me, you know, or something like that. And that's, I don't know, yeah, that's the way I can. Yeah, yeah. Man, do you remember, uh, when, when did you first go on the road? And how, how how exciting was that the first time? Yeah, the first time I was with the, the gospel group called the Friendly Travelers, and the first road trip I took was them was in Europe. Oh wow! So it it was a a, a a few things that happened. Was one thing was I had never flew before, right? So I wasn't. Um, hip to turbulence. <laughs> so, uh, according to one of our um, lead singers, I almost broke the front seat in front of me when I grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. I don't remember it, but you How know, you? all of a sudden, going overseas, you know, we start. I didn't know a plane, you know, because we took off. It was so smooth. So I'm thinking that's how it is, you know. So I'm already, you know, having my reservations about flying. So I say, okay, this is cool, man. About two hours in there, we wind up hitting them turbulence. And I did I, I I to me, I thought something had happened, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then, you know, then they told me, oh man, that's you know, normal, you know. So that that was cool. But yeah, the first um tour we took was it to Europe and yeah and it was it was cool man it was you know and I was young you know I had to be like I said about it was before I even started playing on Bourbon Street okay so I was like 18 19 you know so when you and, go um, yeah that was gospel cool. tour to Europe at 18 19 do you don't get paid anything we got paid um, yeah, we got paid, I think, decent for, we was gone a, a little while, we was over there like a month. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, and I think, you know, according to it, I, I really can't remember how much, but it was, you know, 
a nice little something that's good for the be over that month you know and i it, it was more of the trip you know for me you know what i mean but um yeah we got it wasn't a lot though <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i like i said that was the first tour i can say that i went on you know and were you guys playing quartet yeah yeah, yeah. So, so for the people who don't know what that means, give them a little, just like a little, you know, short description of, of what quartet is and why it's so important. How, how, how do you describe quartet? <laughs> Man, I, I mean, so, so for, okay, here's an, this is an interesting conversation because so for me being a Jewish guy from South Florida who was obsessed with blues you know, the first time I heard Sam Cooke with Soulsters or something like that, you know what I mean? Or the Hawkins or whatever. First time I heard any music like that, um, it was blues to me. I just felt like I was hearing blues, you know? But then I started to make all these friends who were playing that music and who didn't listen to any blues. And there was a weird kind of like same but different thing happening. And yeah, I started to learn about all, you know, Howard Carroll and, and all these guys, you know, who are doing this stuff, you know, and, and Wayne Bennett was important for me because he was the guy who played gospel stuff, but then was playing with Bobby Bland. You know what I mean? And, and so I started yeah. to see this little bit of crossover uh, between guys and it was like I had found a new lane to listen to that I didn't know. But then when I moved to LA and started going on the road more as a sideman with a lot more making new friends who had come up only in gospel and in quartet, because again, I didn't have a lot of friends like that in my high school scene when I was a kid. Then I started to realize what a big scene it was. Like when I started to play with, with Raphael Sadiq and, you know, meet Jubu and guys like this and realize how foundational this stuff was, you know, I, I was just blown away, you know? Um, yeah. And I yeah. think one of the big parts about it, because quartet music started off with just guitar players. It, it didn't have keyboard players, yeah. you know, and then when I was coming up, you know. So it was like the guitar player controlled all the cards and all, the, you know, and you have another guitar player just playing a little second lead, what they used to call behind him. So I think that was the thing. The guitar player was like the keyboard or the organ player. So they always had these little cars that was, you know, following the songs. And on guitar, it had a hip vibe, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I think, you, you know, if you think about some of the people like the Sam Cooks and all that, I think they was gospel before they, and the music ain't changed, it's pretty much the lyrics. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. You know, so it's like- the Same thing when I, when I listen to those guys play guitar on a drive or something like that, that's the blues to me. You know what I mean? When I'm yeah. hearing. Well, exactly, because you can just play the blues drive on the quartet. Now they pretty much then then start playing more blues drives yeah. against the um, quartet music. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's definitely one of them things, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. So, speaking of um, those guys, who were the guys that you were listening to back then? Who who got you excited? You know, who who were the cats you were listening to? 
Well, you know, everybody had to listen to Spanky at some point. Of course. You know, he was like the innovator of that whole kind of mixing that jazzy little thing, you know, kind of changing the cards up from the norm in gospel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Howard Carroll, you know, the guy, yeah, um, man, they, they, and um, who I listened to a lot, he was a guy from New Orleans. And his his um man, his name was Marvin Cheney. But I he was like he knew all these cards way back, you know, before people in gospel, you know. He was the first person I heard play this this, this card. Yeah, you probably heard it. <laughs> yes. You know? nice. So on a minor, that's like with the card he was playing whenever a song was at minor. That was like to me, it was always the suspicious sound. I'm like, wow, you know. <laughs> and that with the the tremola, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, wow. <laughs> but yeah, he had all these, and he can stretch, man. He played all these stretch chords, you know? Yeah. His fingers and that was like, whenever he would come to like a quartet when he was playing with the Heavenly Stars, Man, all guitar players in the city gonna be there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, cause you, he he was he was you know he was a bad boy, right? You know. Yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of like where a lot of that stuff kind of came from, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when you started playing, you know, when you when you switched over to Bourbon Street and you started playing R and B gigs and stuff. Was it, I mean, obviously you probably weren't even thinking about the fact that you were bringing that gospel style of playing to the R&B world, you know, which now is very commonplace. But at the time yeah. it wasn't so, I mean, like when, when Jubu, when I first heard Jubu, it was like, I didn't know what was going on. You know, this was a different kind of guitar playing to me. And I'm sure it was the kind of the same, he didn't think about it either. He was just playing the way he learned. Was it the same for you kind of? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, he just that's how you learn to play, you know. And I listened to Jubu too. That's I, like Jubu was one of my biggest, um, you know, inspirations because he knew it to another level. You know? Yeah, he was. I mean, because for I guess how old are you, Derwin? We're probably pretty similar 52. in age, right? Fifty-two. Yeah. Okay, so you're ten years older than me. So I mean, I think Jubu's. Maybe a couple years older than you? Maybe a, around, yeah, maybe a couple of years. Like, yeah, I would think that. But I mean, when yeah. he was playing on all those hit records, that we would have been listening to him. You know what I mean? And yeah. It was like, so yeah. I was hearing him on the radio, and it was this guitar playing that was familiar, yet slightly different. You know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. It made, yeah. A big, it made an impression on me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Yeah, it was like wow, you know. Yep. And yeah, you and I. This little cat now, man, it's like who I I listen to, and it's just in a whole nother lane. Is Agape Jerry? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's killer, it's, man. Him and man, he's, Darky and and Eric Walls yeah. and all these guys, unbelievable. Yeah, and, yeah, man. And Jarius they, and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, they they you know. Amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah, so, they they killing. 
yeah, like everything else, I mean, they, you know, they came up here in Jubu, and then they, you know, and Spanky, of course, and here in you, I think, and you took know, it and, to and guys level. like that, and they just keep taking it to the next level, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so when this did you meet cool. Cleary for the first time? Playing with the, the quartet group um, that I was telling you about, you know, okay. so he, we used to play this little thing at Cafe Brazil. On um, Sundays, we used to play at the Cafe Brazil in New Orleans on um, Frenchman Street. And Cleary would come by, you know, when he first moved to New Orleans. This was a long time ago. And he would dig it. And um, he would um, ask us, you know, can he sit in? So he sat in one day, you know what I mean? And like I said, me and the bass player, Cornell, who played with Cleary still to this day. Yeah. So we was playing with the gospel group together. And he sat in a couple of times and he asked us about doing a gig with him. You know, man, well, we want to do a gig with him. And, you know, coming from gospel, we used to love to rehearse. Right. So we was like, yeah, man, we'll do it, but can we rehearse? And Cleary was like, Wow, these cats want to rehearse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like once he realized, man, I can learn some of my own material with these cats, you know, because a lot of cats, you know, they want to yeah. throw out tunes and everybody know, and and it was a different. And so we started rehearsing. Man, we were used to rehearse every day. We used to go by Clary House every day just to rehearse, even if we ain't have gigs. You know, wow. So yeah. I think, you know, then we start learning and kind of like the songs that he wanted us to learn. And, you know, and that was a wrap. And then we just start playing together. And that was what, about 28 years ago? Wow. Wow. That's a, yeah. it's been a minute. It has been a minute. What was it, man? I mean, I can't, I remember the first time I heard him, it didn't, comp you know, it was like, wait a minute. It was just, he's so good and so soulful. Yeah. You know, and then I found out where he was from, and I was like, wait a minute, this makes no sense, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm but sure it felt that way in New Orleans. Boy, yeah, he, he bad. They got some bad boys out there in England, though. I'm oh, they, yeah, they do. I, I'm sure, though, got, when he hit the scene in New Orleans, everybody was probably talking about him, right? Yeah, because the thing about John, John knew more stuff about New Orleans than we did, you know? <laughs> he, he, he can tell you the history of all the the drummers, the piano players, horn players, you know, guitar players. He yeah. hit me the guitar players. I never even knew who was from there, you know. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, so he 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 he, he knew all about New Orleans, man. He know he knew it, and he studied the piano playing. You know, like I think maybe Professor Longhead and um, the other guy named Miss. It was like his favorite um, piano players. Yeah. Unbelievable. Man. So, but yeah, he. I've been digging lately, seeing him play, doing his Johnny Guitar Watson thing, man, playing guitar on stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he man, he he. That's in the comedy part is he actually have Johnny Guitar War. Let me clear this out the way. There we go. Uh oh, yeah, he actually um have Johnny Guitar Watson's guitar. Does he really? The 335, yeah. 
Wow, where'd he get that? He's a big fan. That's he's Johnny Guitar, huh? Where'd he get the guitar? He bought it from his wife after he passed. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he actually has the guitar. Yeah. Crazy. Man. Yeah, he Let's, had the uh, man, it sounds just like it. Yeah, oh yeah. No, when he does, when he goes there, it sounds just like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, and and it's such a I mean Johnny Guitar Watson is such a very, very singular sound that there's no it's yeah, like that's, no, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that sound is unique, you know. Yeah. Oh man. Um let's jump into the ten questions if you're cool with that. Yeah. Okay. Number one, when you started learning and playing, besides the first riff you showed me earlier, maybe that was it, but was that the first thing that, that just like set the hook, lit the spark? You know, the first thing you learned that just you couldn't believe you figured it out. That that was probably it, right? Um, That wasn't the first one I could believe I figured out. I pretty much figured the first thing was this bass kind of line that they play was you see let me tell you that was like the thing that you know I yeah. was like wow you know because it felt like I was playing a song and a lick at the same time to me right you know I, mean? so I was kind of excited about that man that just that it's the same reason why we listen to James Brown and you could listen to the same thing oh, forever and ever. Man, when something locks in like that, it don't matter. I could listen to it for, for an hour. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of them things you hear. You, you, it's a lick, but it sounds almost like a song, too. You know what I mean? So, yep. Yeah, when I started playing that, I thought I, I was playing a song to myself, you know? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that was the first thing that kind of made me go wow i can't believe this you know <laughs> yep yeah. uh, as an aside to that question man do you think the amount of time you've spent playing with singers like you said a lot of that early quartet stuff was just guitar do you think that that helped your time a lot playing like that yeah 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 by by far and you know actually man when the one of my friends who was teaching me how to play when I was young, he bought me a metronome and he said, man, whenever you practice, practice with this. And oh. that really helped a lot. Wow. Like, you know, that that opened up the door to timing because sometimes now I can put on the metronome, play and cut it right back on and still be locked in with it. You know, and that, that's the thing he used to do all the time, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that helped a lot with that too for his timing, you know. Yeah. I love they got those apps now where you can set the metronome and have it like stop for a few bars or stop for five beats and then come back, you know, so that there's breaks. So you can test yourself, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Man, all right. Number two. Do you remember the first solo you ever were so inspired by that you had to learn it? You know, like a note for note solo vibe. Yeah, it actually was um, the the song and um, 
Sade's song. Um, oh, okay. No, no, I'm sorry. Anita Baker, Caught Up in the Rapture of Love. Oh, who played that on the record? I'm not sure. It probably was Paul Jackson Jr. Maybe. But I'm not I'm not exactly sure who played it. I gotta check that out. But um yeah, it was that solo there, man. It was like that's the first one I sat down and just learned, you know. <laughs> Crazy. You know what's funny about those first ones too? It's like I'm not gonna ask you to play it, but I guarantee you still remember it. Because those ones like that that you work on that mean so much, it could be 20 years down the road, I'll be able to pull it out again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What's the first thing you play every time you pick up a guitar? Do your hands just go autopilot somewhere? It's, it changed a lot. The, the thing I played for years was just a little common link where everybody do that. Oh, let me tell you, that believe it is. You know, it, I just, when I pick it up, I just normally, <laughs> you know, so that's normally the, the thing I do a lot when I pick it up. I don't know if it just kind of helped me kind of warm it up, you know, but it's always. <laughs> that's That's pretty much. Every about, time I, it just it happens without even me thinking about it, you know. What about like when you when you're at the gig, and you flip standby on some fly-in rental amp or something, and you got to check to make sure. What do you do to make sure you you got a tone that's okay? You know that covers all the bases. Usually, it's some in an open. I usually do like like this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and normally that kind of let me know where I'm at with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I hit all up. Nice. And if it's cool, yeah. I'm usually cool with it. We all we all got a little thing we do that lets us check the gear to make sure, oh yeah, we'll yeah, be all right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. If, if you do that and it sounds good, all the rest of the stuff normally, yeah, you know, gonna be Usually I'm checking volumes and, you know, making sure I have enough headroom. So when I, cause I, I don't play too loud, but sometimes when I'm so low and I kind of want to make sure I have enough headroom yeah, to get in, you know, so that's mostly. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Number four, what key style song groove, whatever, just kind of plays in your head when you when you don't realize it, like all day long. So for me, I'll be cooking breakfast or driving the car or doing laundry, <laughs> and I'm hearing, you know, a shuffle. I'm hearing, -da 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 you know, something like that. Always something swinging or shuffling in my head. What do, what do you hear? You know, do you ever notice, like, you just got music going all the time? I hear a lot of, yeah, I do hear a lot of, kind of groovy stuff in my head you know when i'm when i'm not even thinking about it but i think when i do hear it i'd be like thinking about how to write a song about it you know when i hear the grooves in my head so i i'm not normally hearing stuff like you know just yeah. kind of in there you know that type of thing and it's always when i'm like either producing something 
you know, or something. And I'm trying to come up with ideas mm-hmm. for it, you know what I mean? So I, I hear like, I think about the song and then all of a sudden kind of grooves are coming, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. usually kind of, you know, whatever the situation, actually whatever. The, I don't really know if I think about something just to think about the type of music, you know, but I do notice I do that a lot whenever I'm working on a song for somebody to kind of establish where the, the, the groove going to be at in it, you know. So the groove, the groove is first. So, so, so when, when you hear Sometimes. a piece of music you've never heard before, is that normally the first thing that kind of registers the groove as opposed to the melody yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's, for me, it's the groove because then I can know how I'm going to play, how I'm going to swing whatever parts I'm going to put to it. Because especially if somebody's just sitting like chord progressions on the piano or something with no bass and no drums. Right. You know, I'm like, I don't know where, you know, because, you know, you want to swing a certain way when you're playing your guitar rhythms. So you want to, because I done did it where it, I'm thinking of it I, absolutely wrong and I'm putting like, and then when they come put the beat up, like, oh man, I did not hear that like that. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. So most time if I'm doing something, I'll ask them to kind of tell me, you know, where they going on the groove with it, then I can kind of like work it out, you know? Right, right. Cool. Number five, when did you feel like you started to find your voice on the guitar? Was there like a moment when you know, you started to play some things and you started to feel like I should go further this way. Like this, this is kind of me. I found mixing this and mixing that. And this kind of sounds like what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, for a sound, a concept. Concept, mostly. I think I found that out when I was playing quartet music because when I first started, and I'm more than sure everybody did this, I used to play all over everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I never sought out to play parts in everything. And the guy was like, you know, Floyd Turner, man, he the one helped me a lot on that aspect. He was like, hey, man, look, at it. won't you find a part for the verse, a part for the chorus? And I mean, when we find a bridge, maybe you can find a part of that or use one of the parts you played. And I never would think it. And man, I started like, playing like that, like finding parts for stuff. And it became like a, a big thing, you know, for me, you know what I mean? So now I I, I hear a song and, you know, I might improvise a little bit sometimes, but I always try to find an established part that mm-hmm. works the song. Then when I start listening to songs, like a lot of the stuff Paul Jackson Jr. played on, I realized, man, his parts be just as important to the song as the the chorus, you know? Oh, yeah. Because you can remember them songs by some of his parts, Yeah, you know? 100%. When you, I mean, geez, speaking of those R&B cats like him and David Williams and those guys, I mean, yeah, you they make the song a lot of times with those little hooks. Yeah. Those little parts. And they'd be real similar, the part between the chorus and the verse, but there'd be a little change. And they know it, and they change, and they don't miss it. You know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
I mean, you take something like uh, what that song is, bam, 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 bam. Most people remember that song by that, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you know, he, he come up with parts that that's memorable, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when I mean, even when you listen to, you know, uh, Beat It or, you know, any, any of those songs, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah got to be starting something. Dave Williams, it's like, yeah, very minor changes between the things, but it's, it's a part, you know, and yeah, you're yeah. right. And, like, and, yeah, that gets overlooked. And it sticks with you. Yeah, yeah, it sticks with you. You have Same. people come up to you, you know that song? They don't even know the lyrics. <laughs> yep, yep. Absolutely. You did your job when that happened. Yeah. You've done your job. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, man. All right, number six. What do you consider your biggest weakness on the guitar? Rock solos. <laughs> Who needs those anyways? <laughs> no, no, I love them. I just can't. I don't, I don't know how to. Man, I love rock solos. I don't. I, I. I'm just learning how to set my overdrives. <laughs> not you know. Not even rock, but driven energy solos. Yeah. You know, just going up to the scream and you know getting it into to climax of solos. I don't know. I don't. I don't pull him off well. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it is a it is a discipline that you need to kind of you know you just need to spend time. It's like. You know, yeah, there's a skill there to learning how to have that sustain and build the solo up, and you know, yeah, it's a, it's it's a different thing, you know. Yeah, I, I I I don't know what it is. It's just I never could come out of solo screaming, and I would like to do that one day. Just you know, just, just go yeah. on and and let them have it, you know. But I just can't. But. Yeah, I would consider that definitely one of my weaknesses, you know. <laughs> and set my overdrive, man. I just, I don't know what it is. I even either it wind up too, um, fuzzy sounding. You know, I be looking for that middle ground where it's overdriven, but still, yeah, you can distinguish all the good notes in there. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, this is a whole nother can of worms if we open it up, but, but there is a weird group of guitar players in general who have a certain feeling about overdrive where, you know, they're always trying to match the level between their clean volume and their dirty volume with the pedals, you know what I mean? And they get all this gain, but when you match level like that, no matter what, when you switch to the dirty, you're going to sound quieter than the clean because you're going to be more compressed you know what i mean and a lot of guys never kind of learn that lesson you know yeah it's a weird thing. yeah we're gonna have to talk about that one day when we ain't on zoom because that could take <laughs> a while <laughs> anytime I mean, figure that out man you you got it down see that's what i'm saying you know how to match between pedals and amps and it's all you know. about the compression, man. It is all about the the amount of you see, compression. See, I never used the compression pedal in my life. Right. Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. Because oh, so what compression are you talking about? Well, so 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 basically, 
compression, you don't have to have a compressor pedal to be compressing things. When things oh. reach the top of their headroom level, they compress yeah. because they don't have anywhere to go. They're getting smushed down, you know what I mean? Which means your okay. dynamics are getting flattened out because that's what a compressor does. It, it raises up things that are quiet and it lowers things that are loud to a certain preset level. But okay. things have natural amounts of compression. You know, so when your amp reaches that point where it starts breaking up instead of getting louder, then it's compressing. It's naturally compressing. And some okay. compression is more pleasing than others, but especially the gainier you get, the more compression you're, you're, you're bringing in. And the more compressed your sound gets, even though the level is the same as the clean, like you may have a clean level that's here and a dirty level that's here, but if you turn them sideways, the clean level will look this thick you know what I mean? And the dirty level yeah. will look this thick, super small, like a piece of spaghetti or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's That's the difference. That, that's what I'm saying. That's the nerdy Josh Smith right that's there. That's the nerdy. Now. You just got the nerdy Josh Smith right there. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I know you, but you get them tones, though. So oh, thanks, It's working. Man. Well, it's, man, because it, funny, it's like, I remember having this conversation with Jubu when I first moved here because I'd seen him play with Frankie Beverly and Maze and he playing all this great stuff and then he go to solo and it always sounded like he got quieter. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. crank that shit up, Jubu, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, That's true. All right, uh, number seven. Who is a huge influence on your guitar playing that people would maybe be surprised to hear? I'd be surprised to hear. Probably Lil Beaver. People probably be surprised that Lil Ooh! Beaver. Tell them. You know, the tell them about Lil <laughs> If they don't know about Lil Beaver, you need to tell them right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, you know, as far as the rhythm stuff that I, a lot of stuff I go for, definitely, you know, listening to Lil Beaver, you know, and I mean, one of his famous things is the um, cleanup woman thing, you yes, know. Yes, Betty Wright. People know. Yeah, Betty Wright, he, you know, but rhythm-wise, man, he, he, he just was ridiculous, you know, and that, that was definitely one of my so rhythm people that people probably don't me being from south florida little beaver is a legend down there you know and actually on cleanup woman he's playing guitar with joey gilmore there's two guitars and joey gilmore is a blues guitar player down there and they would sometimes play together but little, i would be hearing about little beaver from guys as a kid they tell me have you heard little beaver this and i think i bought you know the first solo album that had the tune with jocko on it and um uh got dues to pay and those different songs like and also that like the yeah. frank williams and the rocketeers stuff that yeah on. unbelievable man so if you have not heard little beaver you need to check him out you know and playing an l5 or a super 400 what a what a bad dude Kevin. yeah amazing and incredible singer incredible singer oh yeah definitely <laughs> Oh, man. That's a good one. All right. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Number eight. Would you rather have on a gig a great guitar and a bad amp or vice versa? A great amp 
and a terrible definitely guitar. great amp and a bad. I, I I can I can deal with a bad guitar. Yep, a bad app. I don't think I can deal with the bad app either. You and you and even I if I had a great page. guitar, the bad app can't do nothing. But with yep. a bad guitar, the app can pull some. You know, you can kind of dial it in enough to deal with it. You know. Yep, we're on the same page, hundred percent on this one. Oh yeah, definitely on that. Yep, yep. I always will have a better gig with an amp that I like and whatever guitar as opposed to my guitar in some horrible, horrible amp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll be fighting all day. Yep, fighting the whole gig, yep. And I ain't going to name the amps because I don't even want to, you know. Don't shame the JC-120. Come on. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you show up at a gig and they got a JC-120, are you angry? Well, cotton on the gig. It's you know, it's JC one twenties can work for whatever it worked for. Like I said, I don't know if you're gonna press. A... <laughs> okay, we better move to the next. <laughs> <laughs> All <But> right. Got... <laughs> Fair enough. They got a lot of people love the JC one twenty, and I was one of them at one point. You know? <laughs> What are you using these days, by the way? Actually, I just use a DeVille these days. Yeah. 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 A 212 DeVille. All right. Number That's nine. What, what keeps you motivated to keep your guitar playing growing and moving forward? Like, what keeps you just kind of, you know, wanting to learn new stuff and grow YouTube. as a player? YouTube. <laughs> Come on, man! They got, they got so it, it, it really do. Cause I can tell you, YouTube. When you go on there, you wind up seeing all these new things that these cats, you know, coming up with. So then you start trying to learn them. You know, you're like, yeah. man, that's pretty hip. I had never heard nobody. You know, they got one guy, man. I, I, I seen him. Been sitting for a minute, but he played with his fingers, all oh, of them. You're talking about Mateo Mancuso. Yeah, unreal. Man, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, man, I've never seen nobody play that, you know, that that kind of style like that with his fingers, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was like crazy, man. Huh? Yeah. It's not. So yeah, I, I mean, looking at some of them cats on that line, you know. You know, kind of like man. keep you inspired that you can probably take it a little further up, you know. Yeah, I so, mean, yeah, it's, we never lose that. I mean, at least me personally, and I, it sounds like you, that little bit of kid of, of us that just it loves it so much that when you hear something, it's like I, the first thing I have to do is I got to go pick up my guitar and then figure yeah. that out or try to figure yeah, it out because exactly. it's so exciting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But... I mean, one thing about it is, I do know what things I can figure out, but I ain't gonna even, I don't even have enough time left on this earth to figure out. You know I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I figure out if I see something that's reachable, I'm like, okay, I like that. I'm, I'm about to go see what's happening with it. You know what I mean? But I don't think Mateo gonna be learned anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not working on that either. <laughs> no, that technique that.
He's unique with it. Yeah. Yep. You can teach your, you can teach your old dog new tricks, but not <laughs> new entire ball games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that it is. Man, he's so fluent with it. I don't even know. Sometimes I wonder how they started to be able to, like, you know. Yeah, I don't know his whole story. It's got to be kind of a flamenco thing or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah, it's almost like no one has ever applied that to the electric guitar to, the way he's doing it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Okay. All right, uh, number ten, man. Where do you want to be in five years? Like, do you have? Are you one of these guys who has a five-year plan of things you want to accomplish? Not just, you know, things you want to learn, but, like, where you want to be playing, what you want to be doing. Or are you more of a, you know, let things happen, kind of just see what, see what, go with the flow type guy? Where where you want to be in five years? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I think I'm more of a kind of go with the flow type guy. Because mm. for me, I don't, you know, five years is a long way to look up. You mm. know, I mean, that's a nice way. To look, you know, I mean, we all set goals and hopefully you, you know, get them within a certain amount of time. But where you're gonna be is kind of, or where you wanna be probably is a better one. But um, I'm not sure. I, I kind of, you know, I'm cool with kind of what's happening now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and I, like I said, I don't. I'm 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 actually not doing a lot of touring and stuff, and I I think I like not doing so much. I did a lot of touring, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I like being able to take them here and there, you know what I mean? Whenever I haven't did it in a minute, actually, you know. But um, one thing I am gonna do, I'm I'm gonna finally put out like my first little EP, you know what I mean? Good. So that's 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 one thing I'm 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 excited about, you know. I got well, if you haven't done that recording in. yet, come here and record here. Come on. <laughs> man, I, I might take you up on that. Man. Oh dude, we gotta make that you happen. You might be getting a call. Hey Josh. <laughs> we got yeah, hey, man, so. anytime I would be honored to have you come out here and, and record, man, because the world needs a Derwin Perkins album. We need this album. Yeah, man, I think um, I finally then, um, you know, figured the songs out and said, you know, got a couple of cats out here. Nice. That's phenomenal and, you know. So yeah, that's probably definitely the more immediate thing that's gonna happen, you know. I'm excited, man. See, now I'm excited about that. Oh, and what about you know just as an aside any more acting coming up in your career we can i expect to see you in more commercials soon <laughs> well you know you never know without it you know? <laughs> i start making some calls and commercials all right man oh, yeah. they, they're pretty cool you know oh dude the, I, yeah. I was so happy when i saw that i was like i shouted out my son was in the other room, and I said, that's Big D. <laughs> he came running out. And then, so I go to a lot of Clippers basketball games, and they were a sponsor of the Clippers, so they would play it on the Jumbotron every game. I love it. Yeah. yeah, and it was funny, man. With that commercial, I wasn't even supposed to be the um, 
the um the person that doing the talking. Uh-huh. But we was in the studio. We was only supposed to be recording the song, you know, for the commercial. And the people had been looking for somebody to do the um, talking for it. Right. You know what I mean? And they came in the studio, and me and the guy, the guy who owned the studio was in New Orleans, was a guitar player. And me uh-huh. and him talking back and forth. He in the control room. And we talking. And all of a sudden, the guy came out with a computer and said, hey, man, can you read this? You know? And I was like, you know, can I read? I'm like thinking, like, can I? You know, I'm wondering if you asked me, can I read? Oh, God. Like, oh, no, no, no. And so he told me just to read the lines, young cats, too. And I read it, and it was like, oh, man. Yeah, you know? So the wow. guy who hired us to play the actual music, he came back out and said, "Man, you can treat us all at lunch with that 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 meal because you're doing the voiceover for this commercial." <laughs> I was like, what? Did you get your yeah, SAG card no. from that? <laughs> oh, oh, you know. Well, I've, I've been had my SAG thing. You know, we've done some NCIS and some um, <laughs> some Treme, yeah. But yeah, it was cool though. It was it was man, it was. Out the blue, and it was you know like wow. When I seen it, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I was so happy when I saw that. Oh man. Well, dude, we reached the end of the ten questions. Um, for the rulers, we'll be right back with the turn two. But for everybody else, please look up this man's music. Listen to him play uh, with John Cleary and the Absolute Monster Gentleman with Buku Groove. Um, just and, and look for the new record, hopefully coming soon, uh, or EP. And, man, just go on YouTube and go down the rabbit hole. You need to see this man play guitar because it's something special. Dude, thank you for doing this. It's a, been such oh, a man, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. And I'll be calling you when I get ready to record. Now. Dude, my door is always open, and you know anything I can do. To help, I would be honored. I got you, man. All right. Well, so all right. Rulers, we'll be right back. And if you're not a ruler, you should sign up or at least subscribe to the channel. But we'll be right back. (laughs) Thanks.